This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Philadelphia's Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. A closer look. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Recovery Radio. My name is Steve Martirano. I hope you've, you found us after all these years. We're here. We talk about the disease of addiction. Actually, our mandate has gotten larger, but I'll, I'll tell you about that. That's one of the reasons, uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, essentially, um, substance abuse and the road to recovery, but we've expanded that uh, to include uh, a lot of new and a- exciting services provided by the sponsor of the program. The sponsor of the program is, of course, Retreat Behavioral Health. We've been telling you about the expanded services and treatment that they're offering. That's going to be part of the program today. We, we give you a rare double header on, on this edition of Recovery Radio. Second half of the program will be a very interesting uh, fellow who struggled with substance abuse himself and and then took his entrepreneurial uh, skills and uh, has brought it to bear on on substance abuse in a very in a very innovative way. You'll see how technology has intersected with recovery uh, in the second half of the program today. But at the top of the program, I want to welcome Ken Koza. Ken has been in the program, uh, been on the program many times. In fact, he he's sort of the the patron saint of Recovery Radio. Uh, Ken has been a champion of the program through many incarnations, and and uh, and certainly now. Uh, with Retreat's involvement. He is the uh, Chief Operating Officer of Retreat Behavioral Health, and he joins us today to tell us about what happened uh, Friday, yesterday, uh, up at uh, up at Retreat's uh, main facility in Effort at PA. Ken, welcome back to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. So now, and uh, right back at you, sir. You've been a... Uh, <laughs> You've been a great champion of the cause, and uh, you've been great to have as a part of the team to get the message out to well, folks right, right. about behavioral health care issues and how we can uh, help serve our communities and make life better for people. Well, thanks. That's nice of you, Ken. So, uh, yeah, yesterday you had a, you had an event up here. We've been telling mm-hmm. folks we had we had Peter uh, Shore, who's of course the founder and uh, chief executive of uh, of uh, Retreat Behavioral Health, on a couple of weeks ago to talk about the expansion. Right. What's going on here? Um, what happened yesterday? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yesterday was a great day. It was a great event. It was a chance for us to roll out our new company, Synergy Health Programs. Uh, Retreat Behavioral Health is our corporation. That's the parent company. And underneath that organization, we have Retreat Premier Addiction Treatment Centers and also Synergy Health Programs. So Synergy is our mental health division. We treat all different types of mental health issues at various levels of care, our highest level of care being the residential. So you've probably talked a lot on the show about our retreat at Lancaster County facility. That is our residential treatment facility. Our other facility is retreat at Palm Beach, which we have as a residential facility in Florida. A few months ago, we got licensed to be able to provide mental health services at the residential level at our retreat Lancaster County site. So we have our inpatient and our outpatient here in Lancaster, and at both sites, we're able to take uh, mental health folks to treat them. So we were rolling out the entire Synergy Health program, all levels of care, but we did it at the inpatient facility. So we have several hundred people there. It was really exciting to give uh, hope to the community that their relationship with retreat, which has always been very strong, they've always, uh, we've had such a very intimate personal relationship with the community here in Lancaster. And that's something I really do want to talk about mm. on this show today and the importance. But it gave us an opportunity to, to give hope to those folks that we are going to be partnering with come with businesses like Lancaster General Hospital, which is another really important member of this community, to be able to better serve all the aspects of behavioral health care. Well, one of the things I saw from the beginning about the way you guys operate, quite apart from uh, your, your, uh, your reputation in helping right. people, is the... Uh, you know that 
the, the the community always embraces you guys. Right. You don't sure. surprise them with anything. They're 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 partners in a sense from from the jump. So that goes a long way towards integrating the carrier. Let let's talk about this on a on at least a two levels. Sure. That occurred to me immediately. One is let, let's talk about this mental health component, this mm-hmm. new division, right. as it were, uh, being integrated into what you uh, you've done, so that people understand that. Nothing's really changed. Right. It's just it's just gotten uh, a bigger. And in the second level, why that's happened? Because I know you right. know chapter and verse on what's going on with right. with uh, with uh, sub, uh, mental health with issues in the country. It's healthcare. So what changes um, about retreat when right. someone comes here? Good. So to your second part of that question, we could do a six-hour show, and I would love to come on more often and talk a little bit about healthcare and the uh, direction in which it's going and behavioral health care as a whole and how it's incorporating that kind of generalized medicine concept, which is a much more community-centric model. If you look at the history of behavioral health care, both substance abuse and mental health, it's been very much exist in the shadows. You have acute care for psychiatry, which is often done at a place that looks like a big old mansion on beautiful grounds and nobody really knows what goes on in there. And then the rehab culture for substance abuse was always kind of exist in the shadows, leave your community, go get help, fix your problems, and then come back. But we know about diseases of all kinds. It's not how it works, right? For many diseases, they're chronic or they're lifetime, and it's learning about how to live with your disease. So we need to exist within the community so you can break down that wall stigma. So there's a lot of long-term complexities there that we could talk about that are really, really fascinating and I think interesting for radio. So I'd love to go there. But I would definitely be willing to talk here about well, well, yeah, because I, I just want to make sure right. that in that in uh, anybody's mind, right, right. That nothing nothing has, you know, it shouldn't scare people right, away right, right, from. Right. Of course, so, so you have always substance abuse uh, treatment centers, and I know retreat certainly right. the lead of this have always dealt with the mental health right. component. So what has what has changed? These, so over the last twenty years, the opiate epidemic. We talk about that all the time, right? So what's happened over the last twenty years is there's been this kind of. Uh, natural, unable to get away from mix between the mental health and the substance abuse. The ideas of they're just completely uh, separate entities is is not accurate. Or one right? thing might cause right. the one other. one might cause the other. So with the opiate epidemic and so much untreated mental illness in our communities, it is natural that folks will self-medicate, right? So many folks started self-medicating with drugs that are highly addictive. It is very equatable to, to diabetes. There's some folks that are born with type 1 diabetes, which is insulin dependent, Mm -hmm. probably happened at birth, just a genetic thing that happens. Then there's type 2 diabetes, where maybe you had a genetic predisposition or you had other healthcare issues that led you to have other issues, and then your diet got in the way, and then you acquired diabetes. It's very much the same with substance abuse. There's a lot of folks that because they have untreated, not only mental illness, but untreated medical issues that maybe people didn't understand related or correlated to future substance abuse or future mental health. So to break down medicine is very difficult. So over the years, you've seen just a higher, higher increase in percentage of folks ending up in rehabs that really had some significant mental illness. The idea is a Sandra Bullock going away to rehab for 28 days, falling in love with her dream man, and then living happily ever after. That's a long time ago. Well, you know, know, a lot of people are dying. We don't have the luxury of examining the root causes. Actually, it's not a luxury. We should, but but but, but generally, right now, we're we're about it's about this epidemic and saving lives. It's about the The relationship between mental health and substance abuse. I know you believe that it's among the root causes for for the explosion of substance abuse. A hundred percent. Untreated mental illness has led to putting rehabs in an impossible place. 
to treat something that they just can't treat without the proper services. So, is, what, is it like? So let me interrupt. Is, yeah. is it not unlike? Has it not unla- been unlike uh, unlike treating symptoms rather than the disease? One hundred percent, of course. Assessments, right? It's what you've seen in in healthcare. You can't just have an ER. You need primary cares, and you need OBGYNs, and you need specialists, and you need a an endo guy, and you need a you need a lung guy that people can see. Like you need that complexity because these diseases don't exist in vacuums. You have to treat the various symptoms, but you also have to have a really strong assessment tool. It's got to start with education right from the start, and that's what we're doing in the long term here. And that's what behavioral health care is trying to get to a place. Ultimately, we want to have assessment centers within various communities that are under the footprint of retreats. Um, kind of brand awareness and who knows who we are, mm-hmm. um, where you can have a place in your community where you can go, we call them assessment centers, and see somebody like much like you would your primary care physician. So you would go there, they would do a full-on assessment, a clinician, a trained clinician, to figure out the generalities of what's going on, to try to pinpoint some of the diagnoses. And then from there, they would then make the referrals a lot like a PCP would, whether it be an outpatient program for mental health, or maybe it's a, a separate program for substance abuse and mental health, or maybe it's a dual program. Right? Sometimes you treat them together and sometimes you have to treat them separate. It takes an expert to figure that out. And then they would make that referral. And then within our system, we have various levels of care for both mental health, both mental health as its own, substance abuse as its own. And then if there's a dual component there, uh, we can look at that as well. I think that uh, that is probably the most significant difference, if there's any difference at all, right. of what's going on in a place sure. like retreat. And that is that, that it, uh, people should no longer think of it as solely a place to go if they're abusing right. substances of any kind. So if someone's listening now and, and, and they're depressed or they're anxious or mm-hmm. whatever problem they're, they're suffering from that may have nothing to do with abusing right. substances – this is a place they can come and get evaluated. It's most important in your community that you have a place you can trust that you can call and that referral sources and community members have a place that they know that they can trust that they can call. And that's the start, right? So um, we have already been um, in the community one of the more respected uh, dual diagnosis programs, meaning if you have somebody with substance abuse issues that is comorbid with a mental health issue, then retreat's kind of the spot for them. However, not having the ability to treat mental health on its own prevents you from utilizing some of the resources that you need, which is additional psychiatry and and um, specialists clinically in certain disorders that we can now expand to have to be able to meet those resources. And then also just more advanced assessment techniques and tools, uh, more cutting-edge technologies to be able to utilize on the front end to make sure these people are getting the, the proper referral. But it has to be done by somebody the community can trust because there's so much stigma around these issues. Both issues, yeah. And we've spent now eight years in this community building that relationship. And again, that is unique because if you circle back to eight years ago with some of what I talked about a little earlier, there is this divide between what a treatment center is and the community. Oftentimes, they're at a network, right? And they take people from out of state. You open a facility in Florida and you only take people from the Northeast. You never built a relationship with your community. So even if they were to decide they want to treat these community-related issues like mental illness, they don't have that relationship with the community to have the trust and respect to make that happen. So we've been building that relationship with the community and it's uh, paramount to us to have that, and we knew that from the beginning. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you can't you can't be at loggerheads with the people that are your right. neighbors, or, or none of it will work. Right, right. Uh, or well, not think that you're there for them. Exactly. It's not just where you're located. Ken Koza is uh, our guest on the top half of the program. Yes, Ken sir. is the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of Retreat Behavioral Health uh, in town. He's usually well, he's not. He lives in Florida, but he's right. everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, up here this uh, this weekend. Uh, for the ribbon cutting yesterday yes, of the sir. opening of the psych uh, division of recovery of uh, retreat in uh, Lancaster County. We have more with Ken Koza straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. 
Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martorano with you. Our guest, uh, Ken Koza. Ken is the uh, Chief Operating Officer of Retreat Behavioral Health. He is uh, giving us chapter and verse on the uh, exciting uh, new services that are being offered at Retreat that have to do with behavioral health in general, uh, psychiatric and uh, and mental health issues that often go hand in hand with substance abuse, but, but now Retreat is able to uh, treat them uh, as an individual uh, problem. So what what caused you know things don't happen in a vacuum um what what outside of your right. operation caused this kind of synergy to occur <laughs> that's the name right mm-hmm. that's where the name came from yeah so so essentially what was happening is we've kind of seen this or i have seen this um just from my personal life my personal experience certainly with uh, mental health and substance abuse related issues I've seen the hole in the system and what needed to come together, but sometimes it takes all parties and all ships to kind of merge together at the right time in the right place, just in society. Well, the epidemic certainly. Right. And the current epidemics of suicide increases and this TikTok app that you're seeing and just a massive increase in childhood uh, suicide discussion. I mean, with the Parkland shootings, you've now had two suicides related to survivors. So you're seeing a separate epidemics happening at the same time and they're converging and then you're seeing on the treatment side you have you have insurance companies you have hospitals you have treatment centers and then you have your community and they all kind of come together so what's been happening uh, on the substance abuse side and i'll try to say this as succinctly and uh to make it make sense uh how i'm saying it uh to make it importantly address. So you have on the treatment side, on the substance abuse side, you have insurance companies in their relationship with the with the substance abuse treatment centers, right? And then on the mental health side, you have the relationship there, right? There was not a lot of commingling. So what's happened on the substance abuse side is there's a lot of out-of-network facilities uh, that charge astronomical rates and then they started building the labs and I'm sure you've talked about mm-hmm. on this show yes. endless amount of times about how that kind of transpired and what that looked like. So you have abundance of full continuum of care but you have ethical issues. The mental health side, you have the opposite issue. You have very ethical treatment providers. You have hospitals that, um, that, that, that make money on the acute side but everything else doesn't really make any money so there's not a lot of uh, unethical practices. There's just no treatment. So you have extremely acute care and then you have uh, extremely loose once a week individual therapy and that's kind of the basis if you have medicaid or medicare maybe you can access an iop or a php but generally speaking that's kind of the model right so insurance companies have gotten involved and they've now been planning this over the last few years and i'd love to come back and talk about our partnerships with the insurance companies where they've now been partnering with specific providers developing contracts and then saying we're going to cut the out of network and we're going to shut down new providers from being able to come into our system that's kind of what they're in the process of doing now. Simultaneously, they're going back to the hospitals and they're saying, you guys need to take care of this problem. You have a 1,000 people a day come to the emergency room. We're not talking about the 1% that need to go into a psych ward or rehab. We're talking about the 80% that come in that you need to do preventive-related information to, that you need to provide all these different types of service to, no different than you would who come, somebody comes in with another ailment. And they weren't prepared for that. And they, Well, how could they be? Of course right? not. Yeah. It's not only the increase in numbers. They don't even have the type of services. They don't have the expertise. They don't have the expertise. Yeah. Right? All they have is a psych unit. They don't have the ability to treat somebody who has a broken hand because they started hearing voices, but the voices are just like thoughts, right? What do I do with that? If they come in and say, the voice in my head told me to punch this window, Mm -hmm. okay, you have clearly delusions. We're going to look at this as a possible psychotic disorder. But what if it's sounding more like just weird thoughts? Do they know the right follow-up questions to ask to try to catch things on the front end? So these hospitals are saying, we're not equipped. 
So some hospitals are just looking for training and development, contracting-related questions, education for their docs, more kind of consultation. And other hospitals are saying, we just can't. We need a provider to come in who already knows what they're doing and to just kind of take over that process for us. But ultimately, it's a kind of a converging of efforts. So again, the insurance companies are partnering with key behavioral health care providers that they believe uh, understand these things and just needed more resources to be able to provide their treatment to other folks. And then they're going to the hospitals and saying, you need to get with these people. So we're all kind of coming together and uh, putting our heads together to try to help people. In the in the Lancaster uh, operation, in, right. in effort, describe that process and how it worked with the, the local hospital. Right. So essentially – um, we've had several insurances first come to us and say, this is what we want to do. Um, this is what we're willing to pay for. This is uh, the rates we're allowed to give so that you can provide some additional services. You can address your physical plant to have to be unit-based and just kind of the physical logistics, the operational changes that you need to make to be equipped. And then the hospitals are coming to us and local hospitals are saying, we need you to help us. So essentially what we're looking at is opening assessment centers near certain hospitals. In our local community, we already have that here. So we would utilize the space that we have and provide synergies programming through there. But we would also be equipped and able for them to provide assessment services within their system, meaning not just in their ERs where they have social workers, but particularly in their primary care physician offices and in their specialist offices and their urgent cares. So we would be able to provide them mobile assessment assessors to go into those places and be able to provide. And you've identified locations already, uh, Philadelphia being one. Or right. Other so places. we have one in Philadelphia, one in North Jersey, uh, one in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, one, two in Miami, and uh, and that's it for right now, but it's gonna it's continuing to expand again. You, you, we opened one in Miami. We did the open house a month ago, and it went fantastic. But uh, we had several folks come from North Miami. Apparently in Miami, like Philadelphia, one section is like seven states away from another section. So they drove the seven states to come to South Miami to say, we need this in North Miami. So then we started looking in North Miami. So it expands quickly. Those type of services are easily available for us because we are trained and we do have the um, – the biggest challenge is, as you said, expertise. It's people that know what they're doing, right? Because in medical school, they don't teach this stuff. So you can't just find a doc like you can find a doc when you expand your emergency room. So we bring that expertise and that quick yeah. ability to bring them experts. So we're able to open it pretty quickly, get somebody in there, get an expert in there, and start doing assessments. And that's really where it all starts yeah. is that initial meeting, that making fe people feel comfortable. And Steve, I, the other piece is denial, Right? These hospitals are not used to that component. So we have experts that understand how to talk to somebody, do an assessment, tell them what they need, find out what's really going on, you, you, but you, also understand that they may not listen to what we're telling them right. to do. And you, 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 I guess what, what – if I understood you correctly, in the like an emergency room setting, no one comes in and lies about the hand they broke. Right. <laughs> My hand's right. broken. I'm not but they lying. might lie about the complexities of why it's broken. Or why it happened. Right. Uh, anyway, it's not surprising that you guys would be in front of this because sure. people know that you, you've that. been uh, you've been uh, you saw the relationship between mental health issues and substance of abuse course. a very long time ago, and your explanation today goes a long way towards. Another piece to the puzzle of what's happening yeah. with, with with this drug epidemic. You know what's what's driving it, and certainly mental health is a big component. Congratulations Absolutely. on the expansion of the services. Appreciate that, and uh, thanks again, of course, for supporting the program. Mm -hmm. Ken Koza, Chief Operating Officer, Retreat Behavioral Health. Good to see you again, buddy. Thanks for having me, Steve, as always, and I uh, appreciate everybody that's listening. Stick around, guys. We've uh, second half program. We've got an interesting uh, fellow. That we're going to tell you how uh, technology shouldn't surprise you has a uh, big, big place. Could have a big, Absolutely. big place in uh, in recovery. Fight the good fight. This is Recovery Radio. We'll be back.
Welcome back to Recovery Radio. You know, sobriety, maintaining sobriety would be uh, relatively easy if we lived monastic lives or maybe lived in caves, but of course the world doesn't work like that. We are social animals, and it's in that social realm that uh, maintaining sobriety can be problematic for folks in recovery. Fortunately, we've got a terrific guest on today who's done something about that or is trying. MJ uh, Gottlieb is our guest on the uh, telephone. Uh, MJ is what's referred to in the business press as a serial entrepreneur. He has owned and operated uh, six businesses over the past 20 years. He's had some uh, pretty big uh, high-profile clients, FUBU and Samsung America. Uh, He is also, and the reason he's here with us, the co-founder and CEO of something called Lucid, which is a terrific idea. I've been waiting for somebody to do this for a while. Uh, it, it brings together uh, technology and recovery in a very, uh, I think, p- potentially beneficial way and a very clever way. You've heard the expression, there's an app for that. Well, there truly is. We welcome uh, N.J. Um, Gottlieb to the program. Um, serial entrepreneur, that's fair, right? Yep. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Incidentally, I've sort of buried the lead, as they say in newspapers. MJ has managed to achieve, uh, you know, this success um, and his sobriety for uh, a long time, which is uh, he's to be congratulated for that. I'm. I'm, We're going to get into what Lucid is all about, which, which, you know, in in a thumbnail is um, a way to bring together uh, the community of people. who, who, who want to have social lives but remain sober, uh, giving them a whole suite of recovery tools and a way to connect with one another. I'm guessing that you're, the germ of this idea, the spark, came out of your experience trying to, trying to uh, stay sober. Is that right? 100%. 100%. I was, I was trying to get sober for many years, uh, even at, I, I believe I started in the late 90s, and I was just finding myself invariably at coffee shops and diners and I said if this is all there is then I'm going to continue to use which I did for the next um, 15 years or so or in, until I, I finally um, got sober uh, in 2012. How, how old were you during that str- the struggling period in the 90s when you, when you uh, were trying to stay sober but having difficulty? How old were you? How old? Let's see. Um, so in two thousand, I'm forty eight. I'm forty eight years old. So you're, now. you're a young guy. Yeah. You know, okay. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, so, so figure I was what I was twenty between twenty five and thirty years old. Yeah. I, I, listen, um, everybody knows that the disease of addiction is uh, devastating, no matter you know what point in life it you know you're dealing with it. But I've always found it to be particularly cruel for young people because you know look. Young people want to be out. They they need a, a life. It's not enough yeah. to be sober. You have to have a life in in sobriety. So you know when when you say this is a disease that isolates anyway. So if you're trying to stay sober and the isolation just is going to drive you back to to abusing the substances. What sort of things were you missing in trying to socialize? Was it I can't go to this concert because they're selling beer, or I can't date this girl because she still likes to smoke marijuana? You know, give me the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, kind of all of the above, but if you think about it, like with, with me, if, if I were to go to a 12-step meeting um, an hour a day, the question is, what, what was I going to do with the other 23 hours? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't see anything happening. Like you mentioned, I owned a number of businesses. You know, I was used to going to the clubs and having fun, and I didn't see 
any of that. And, you know, it, it, and, and that is why I, you know, created Lucid to just create, to have such a strong experiential component to, to have an amazing experiences in sobriety and to show people, like you mentioned, especially for young uh, uh, people, uh, to show them that there's just, you know, there's this stigma, right, about, hey, I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm supposed to continue to just party and, you know, that's just, I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm supposed to be that way. And so it's so important for people to understand that if you do have a problem, um, then, you know, you can have just an amazing, amazing sober life um, at that age. And, and it is challenging, like you said. So, so to be able to uh, show and, and bring together a community and show them that there's just, just so many things that they can do and so many ways to connect and bring them all together in one place, um, that was the whole reason why this was created. Well, I've spoken to enough people who have uh, been in active addiction and then long-term sobriety to know that that's a universal feeling, this inconceivable idea that there could be a life without being you know, high. Uh, so breaking through that right. by, by showing people, look, you're not in this alone, look at all these other people, is the first step in that process. And, and Lucid is such a, uh, as I said, su- such a terrific idea. Um, you just mentioned something, though, uh, that I don't want to uh, lose here. We're focusing sort of on young people and their need to socialize in a sober way. But as a businessman, business is conducted in a social environment. Business is conducted over drinks. Lucid's intended to show people that you can still be um, a hard-charging you know, business type and sober, correct? Oh, 100%. We just, we just had a, a, a great... Uh, um, we did a sober lounge at Madison Square Garden. Um, uh, when was it? This past Saturday, and it was fantastic. And obviously, at, at Madison Square Garden or where various arenas, everybody's drinking, right? And so we we took the 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 uh, the lounge, the hospitality lounge, and turned it into a sober lounge, and just an incredible experience where you had you know, those business people and, you know, people from all walks of life and, and 20 to 20 years old to 70 years old, uh, all just having a blast. And, and, you know, this concept of the sober lounge is really what is something that we're trying to do on the event side, um, every month from state to state. So yeah, 100%, whether you're 20 years old, whether you're uh, a business person where enter, you know, entertaining is such a big part you need to be able to have a, a safe space and, and, and a network of people to connect to. So, um, you, absolutely, you're 100% right. Well, the other thing that's fascinating about that concept, um, I love the idea of the, so, the Sober Lounge. I think it's that's brilliant. The Garden, obviously, was very cooperative about this. They're fantastic. They were fantastic. And, you know, we're, 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 we're looking at um, doing some... Uh, uh, um, a, a lot of different things with Madison Square Garden, as well as um, a lot of other venues that we're talking uh, across the United States, from from New York to Los Angeles to Philadelphia to mm-hmm. Washington D.C., all over. Because you know they they really understand the importance of 
and, and, and it's just, just to be clear, it's not only, so think of a, of a sober lounge. It's not only or a sober section at a, at a, at a game, it's not only for those in recovery, but say, say a mother that wants to, or a father that wants to take his mm. or her son or daughter, mm-hmm. um, to a section of a concert or a game and they don't want, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, people flinging beers and, you know, all around them. Um, you know, they want to have a safe space for their child to, to enjoy. Um, that's another major, major component. And, and that's, you know, it, uh, uh, another reason why we want to create this safe space. Yeah. It's, it, it, you know what? Talk about an idea whose, whose time probably, a as a rise, there's probably more people in any given live event, particularly a sporting event, um, who would just love the idea of a sober section j- just for the, what you just said. Nobody's going to be spilling beer on them or teaching their kids new, uh, brand new words. Um, so uh, lucid, by the way, where, where did that come from? Lucid. L- L- it's L O O S I D. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's L O O S I D. So there's, there's a saying in, in, in uh, recovery wear sobriety, like a loose garment. So in other words, Hey, you know, have fun, relax, you know, hang loose. Like it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. You could still have a lot of fun. So that's the L O O S E. And then there's lucid mm. L U C I D, which is clarity of thought. So we combine the loose with the loose with the L U C I D, uh, and combined it to L O O S I D. Is there a, do- is there a, uh, dating component included in lucid yeah yeah and 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 people don't understand how important that is um for two reasons like i'll I'll give myself an example um i'm okay you know uh, going and 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 going out on a date i'm on again off again single um and having the person have a drink around me um but what what happens with me when i'm on those apps is the, the woman will say, oh, my God, you're not drinking. How are we going to have any fun? And that invariably happens probably eight times out of ten. And I'm just like, well, I, you know, don't worry about don't worry about me. I'm going to be drinking. I'm just not going to have alcohol in my drink. Um, <laughs> right. And they're like, I, I just don't understand how we're not going to have any fun. And, and so that's a big problem. And then the other side of it is people who are new to sobriety you know, someone sitting across the other side of the, the table flinging drinks that maybe isn't at the point where, say, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a it's a monstrous trigger. So being able to um, connect with people who share your common bond and have that safe container um, is is so important because I, I have known a lot of people that you know they've tried to get sober and they went on a date and the person was drinking and they said, Oh, what's one drink? And then I'm bailing them out of jail. So, uh, or worse. So it's, it's, it, it was a very, very important component to add in the, in the, in the entire comprehensive nature of the app. Well, you know, most of us, most of us know what a bad date uh, looks like. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, 99% of those bad dates probably could have been avoided or at least made not bad by having more information going in. So you can see the uh, utility of something like Lucid uh, writ 
big here in, in the dating context. I want to pick up on that uh, when we come back after this break. Our guest on the phone is MJ Gottlieb. MJ is the co-founder and CEO of Lucid, which is this groundbreaking app that uh, makes it easy to find new friends, dating and sober living events, or so, sober events that they can attend. It's an idea whose, believe me, time has arrived. We'll be back with him straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We have uh, a conversation with MJ uh, Gottlieb. As I mentioned at the outset, a uh, serial entrepreneur, successful owner of a bunch of businesses over the past 20 years. He's, by the way, the author of a book called, I love this title, How to Ruin a Business Without Really Trying, which is intended to uh, encourage inspiring uh, business folks with what not to do, which the million people tell you what to do. Only really sharp guys can tell you what not to do. Um, he is the founder uh, and uh, CEO of Lucid, which, as I said, is this groundbreaking new app to aid in, in recovery. Um, MJ, I think I think it's fairly obvious how this works in a social context. It's it's just a great idea, and I think it's going to help a lot of people understand that you can have fun and a life and even relationships and still be uh, sober. Can Lucid be used? I know this. Lucid can be used by people who are not interested in that aspect, but just want to use it as a recovery tool. How does that work? Right. So, you know, a lot of people don't know that, that upwards of one third of the American public is uh, are sober for other reasons, whether it be health, fitness, wellness, whatever, faith. Um, and but 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 for those who are in recovery. So you have the option to toggle on or off recovery, uh, our recovery suite. And if you toggle them on, uh, the recovery suite has um, something called uh, uh, the hotline, which is, um, you know, people are, are afraid to pick up the phone and call their friends and, and ask for, you know, help, right? Like, I need help. Those are the three, uh, you know, words that no addict wants to say. Um, so the hotline allows you to just type in, hey, you know, uh, I need help, but not, you know, not to your friend per se, but the entire Lucid community. And then people just rush into your hotline and, um, and are there to support you. And there's over 7,000 messages going on the hotlines right now as we speak. So, um, so there's, there's a tremendous amount of activity um, going on there because it's, again, you know, you're, you're speaking to like a person in New York will say something and someone from Idaho or Kansas or wherever will just jump in and say, Hey, I've been there. I get it. And there's a, just a great support system going on there. Um, there's also something called, uh, the lifesavers. So, you know, when, when you're at like, um, when you're at the hospital and you pick a, an emergency contact, well, here you pick five, um, and um, and then the, the the Lucid app will will send random push notifications. Hey, have you checked in on Bob? You know to see how he's doing today, and then allow you to connect. Um, and this is this is something happens all the time where I'm just like, oh, I forgot to call, you know, um, whoever, and I know he needed help. You know, our day gets away from us and we forget. So this this really is a great accountability system, and then it allows you also to pick lifesavers. Uh, to help you. Um, and then the third is the beacon, which is what we call kind of like a, a sober bat signal. So if you're bored, you want to do something, you turn on the beacon and it, and it just pings, uh, people within your radius 
uh, lucid members within your radius and allows you to just connect with others. Hey, you know, I'm sitting in my apartment. I don't know what to do. I'm newly sober. Hey, why don't you come join us at, you know, so, um, I love, so I love, three, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great way to, to, to connect with people and always provide a way of not being stuck, as you said, in isolation. So you're always connected. You, you know, it's just uh, congratulations for um, for bringing this technology to this problem because it's so obvious what a benefit this can be. It's amazing when you see what people will give up uh, because of their active addiction, uh, almost everything except their telephones. <laughs> which is remarkable. <laughs> Am I right? They that's the last thing 100%. Last thing to go. So here you have this power, could be potentially powerful tool that is almost a, another appendage always there. That notion of the beacon is uh, is brilliantly conceived because as we know what's the expression that idle hands are the devil's workshop. So if you got somebody sitting around getting antsy, you know, I do that start texting start sending the beacon out and uh you can occupy all of that uh that excess anxiety and energy so when was the rollout officially uh so the rollout officially was november 15th which which in new york city which happened to fall on a day that we just got absolutely crippled with this um with this snowstorm which shut down the city so we brought in Kelly Osborne, uh, who had just recently celebrated her first year of sobriety, um, and uh, um, but 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 the whole city came to a standstill. So we had to um, we had to play catch up, you know, from there. So officially, it was launched November fifteenth. Um, we started actively moving uh, people onto the app uh, the end of February, and it's. Um, it, it's grown very quickly. So then we started New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and then we moved out to Philadelphia and then Washington, D.C., then Baltimore, Maryland, Richmond, Virginia, and then wow. just last week opened up California, Florida, and Texas. So oh, uh, Fantastic. Yeah, what, uh, what's the feedback? Quickly. What's the feedback been like? Um, kind of like what you said. It's, it, it's um, you know, it, it's, it's the phone is your best friend, and but at the same time we don't want to pick up our phone and call and say we hey I screwed up because our egos get involved, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to have those points of connection to, to just say you screwed up to a, a bunch of you know thirty thousand like-minded strangers at a time um, and offer that support. Um, it is something that, 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 you know, has, we, we've gotten a tremendous amount of kind of thank yous for, for lack of a better word. And then, and then showing and having all these events and things to do, um, it's showing people that, that, that they don't just need to kind of stay in diners and coffee shops, you know, when they get sober. So uh, it kind of opens up their eyes that you can actually, um, have just an amazing, amazing sober journey. Yeah, there's something after substance abuse. MJ Gottlieb, co-founder and CEO of Lucid. I hope this is a huge success, and I uh, I thank you for joining us. I'd love to have you back on, and I'd love to have some people who use the uh, app uh, with us as well. Thanks, uh, MJ. Love it. Appreciate okay, it. thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening, okay. and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 
This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.